Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's this show called, I think it's Naked Attraction and it's in the UK. Yes, have you yes, seen that one yes, where they like show your genitals first, basically yes. on that show? I was always like, oh, that dick is going to win. And then they would like eliminate that dick because that wasn't their type of dick. And I'd be like, oh, that pussy's going to make it. And they'd be like, I hate that pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Reporting live from my bedroom, it's That's a Gay-Ass Podcast. Hi, it's me, Eric Williams. I hope you're doing well on this sunny week in April. It is 420 this week. I think legally you're only allowed to celebrate that in your 20s. After your 20s, it's kind of like any day can be 420. Hello, it's your body, it's your choice. If a Tuesday afternoon is 420, but it's February 8th, so be it. Uh, I do want to keep you abreast on me, myself, and SSRI. Yes, my mental health journey. I did meet with a psychiatrist last week, and they did prescribe me a strong dose. <laughs> no, I think it's a normal dose. It's um, I'm on Zoloft. I'm on like day six, everyone. I feel pretty good. I'm, I was told that it can take a few weeks to really, to really set in. So I'm excited to see what happens, truly. And I do thank you for indulging me in telling you my mental health medication. This week on the podcast, we have an incredible podcaster herself. It's Remy Casimir. She hosts How Come Podcast, which if you haven't listened to it, it's literally a podcast that was started because Remy had never orgasmed before. And so they set out on a journey to figure out how to orgasm. And once they accomplished that, they then began the journey to help hundreds of other people around the world come. And ugh, what a beautiful goal. I'll drink to that. Remy is a stand-up comedian who has been seen all over the world and also been featured on Netflix in the series Explained. She has an incredible episode you must watch. Also appeared on Sirius XM, Refinery29, Vox, and received one of the first ever sex excellence awards from Cosmopolitan. Also, if you're into the show Love Island, which I know a lot of you are, Remy also has a podcast called We Really Love Island, which deep dives into every episode. So make sure you look out for that. On social, Remy is at Remy Casimir. It's R-E-M-Y-K-A-S-S-I-M-I-R. That's at Remy Casimir. And make sure you follow Remy because, ugh, an incredible comedian, incredible podcaster, and definitely listen to How Come if you have not. Also follow me at Eric Wills, E-R-I-C-W-I-L-L-Z, and uh, the Gay Ass Podcast, at Gay Ass Podcast. We're going to dive into the episode with Remy. Thanks so much for being here. Make sure you like and subscribe. Mwah! Remy, the fact that you're I'm looking at you makes me feel like today's a good day. It's just ah. like... Yeah, because the I, last time we got to talk, it was just on Clubhouse, and it was just just voices, no faces. Voices and a bunch of Jews. And a bunch of Jews. Yes, it was Purim. It was Purim. We were, so yeah, Remy and I got to do a um, Clubhouse Purim costume contest. Was that, mm-hmm. that was my, that was my literal first Clubhouse experience. And, but I feel like you, you, you sounded like a pro. I had been doing like, just like jumping into rooms all week to like, see if I wanted to do it. And no, def not a pro, but good at talking over people. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was interesting to me to like do costume judging via their profile photos. And then Mm -hmm. also not like, not like read them for filth. You know, it's hard to be like, yeah, like you want to, it wasn't like a roast room. 
No, these like these like poor people just like want to have a like put their kitten ears on and call it a day. But yeah. Yet- and some of them were very bad costumes, but also like shout out to them for even like showing up and doing that. Like, I don't know if I would put myself on blast. I know I, I didn't. Even, I was app. supposed to put you. I was supposed to put a costume picture on my thing, and I didn't even bother to do that because I don't like what I dressed as Jennifer Coolidge five years ago. That's the last time I was in a costume, probably. Iconic, so gay. <laughs> Truly really gay as hell. So thank you so much for coming on That's a Gay Us Podcast, Remy. I have been truly a fan for a long time. And I every time I have someone that is as established as you as a podcaster, I just feel like I just want to glean any of your brilliance and somehow suck up like 0.1% of it. So I Oh my God, suck my brilliance, bitch. I like... <laughs> <laughs> No, I uh, thank you for saying that. I don't feel like royalty a lot of the time. So when people say that to me, it's like very sweet and just fills up my love tank to quote Vicky Gunvalson. Wow. We're already quoting Vicky Gunvalson. You are supposed to be my friend. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I was just listening to um, your episode with ariana maddox from Ooh, such a good episode i love her i want to get her back totally you need to get her back because she's so iconic and also like um very she's bright she's i'm gonna stop stop the accent she's brave (laughs) she's like she's like she's so open and i also love hearing the behind the scenes of vanderpump and just reality tv yeah i do too because it's interesting when you hear about the show of like, you know, we were, we talk about this off camera, but then because mm-hmm. when we're on camera, we decided to really get into the actual nitty gritty because the audience starts to make up assumptions about they fill in the blanks in ways that are clearly right. not real. Right. I mean, I, I think Ariana is so interesting, too, because she's such like she's like the bicon of Bravo, like not that Bravo doesn't cast liberal people but like we don't see a ton of of their storylines unless it's like like a gay stylist or like a you know like gay fucking glam squad it's accessory stuff and she is the first one that like she is the moment and like like we were already living for her and she never I hate to say never had to come out. She never had to come out. She was in a very happy heterosexual, heteronormative relationship. Um, there was no reason to say anything because, I mean, I, I think a lot of people think like, oh, you come out so that other people like can start to hit on you. Like hers was just to expose her truth and show other people this is what a bisexual woman looks like. And she gave me the strength to come out in a straight relationship. You know, like, yeah, I love her. I love her so much, but I also think you're touching on something that's really important is that sometimes coming out, yes, is for, it's for the world around you, but also for yourself. But it's especially right now, I think bisexuality is having a much deserved, very delayed um, awareness that's brought up because so many people don't, if they say, well, wait a minute, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, then you're not bi anymore. And it's like, of course, that's not the case. It's like, if I'm eating pasta, does that mean I don't like sushi anymore? No. Hello. Wow. That's a good analogy. Thank you. <laughs> but, but it's like, it's so true. It's, and I think that some were so many, especially straight people are brought up and just like, you're either this or you're that you're mm-hmm. gay, or you're straight, you're either. But like, I think the fact that there is a wide range of, of expression and sexuality and, and like, I truly took a stab at being bi. I, I really, good. I, I, I mean, really, it's better to try something and know you don't like it than never try it at all. Absolutely. And I like want to put out love into the universe for the only woman that I was with because, you know, I actually, I've never really said this to anyone, but I kind of, I was in, it was my junior year of high school and I just, I kind of regret how it all went down because Mm -hmm. I was so deeply entrenched in my closetedness growing Mm -hmm. up in the Midwest. But I said to myself deep in the recesses of my brain and my emotions, I was Mm -hmm. like, you're a gay person, but that's not something that you're okay with. And you're, Mm -hmm. you're, so you need, you need to be with a woman at least to see if you can do it. Yeah. And so I found myself dating a, a a girl that was, um, at my high school and we, the first time we kissed, it was not a pleasurable experience for me. And mm. I still tried to keep with it. And I yeah. feel like I feel, I feel what I regret 
not having the emotional maturity to be open with like, this is my journey and yeah. I really have feelings for you and I respect you as a person. But um, what ended up happening is I we dated for a while and we tried to hook up and it um, was, I'm very biologically gay. Mm-hmm. I just like mm-hmm. was not, not a yeah. single spurt of blood was going down to that part of me. And, um, and then we ended up breaking up because she said, I just feel like you don't care about me. And it like, and you were like in, in other ways I care about you so much. And exactly. like, I hate that I can't express that to you. And like, yeah, it, nobody likes hooking up with someone. I, I don't like, like forcing themselves to, to not right. be themselves. And it sucks that there are other people that like fall by the wayside. Something like she was probably really fucking hurt by that, you know, like, but have you spoken to her since like a, a little bit, there was kind okay. of a, a nice moment years later when I had come out and mm-hmm. we had a somewhat unspoken, but spoken, like we see each other. We, I think it was, it was like one of those reunion type going out to a bar after mm-hmm. a few years after college, after high school. And we're all in college. You guys and- just like cheers across the bar and you're like, <laughs> go girl. <laughs> a knowing glance across a knowing the room. knowing glance, yeah. A little nod. I mean, it was kind a of A little that. look back over the shoulder, smile. <laughs> Fade to credits. Yeah. <laughs> um, truly that. I mean, it was truly that. And, the, and, and that, I think, is why my soul, my heart could heal moving forward. Because it, it, it was obviously tough for me. But just like you're saying, equally, if not more tough for her to, mm-hmm. to not exactly understand what was going on. And um, I had a friend who brought me to his for his a pie formal in college and didn't hit on me the entire time. And it broke my heart. And then when he came out like two years later, I was like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> that answers that. <laughs> I'm not ugly. You're gay. <laughs> wow. That's the name of the next pop song. I'm not, I'm not ugly. ugly. You You're are just gay. gay. Here we go. And then there's the it club. It comes remix. on after bing, bang, bong. In the club. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. I mean, this, we're coming up with brilliance. I told Ugh. you, suck my brilliance. <laughs> I truly, suck the brilliance. Brill, bitch. That's um, the next song. That's the next song in the album. Yeah. Wow. Are we musical? I think we just wrote an album. We just wrote an album. You guys, um, subscribe on <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> Watch us become filthy rich. We all become monsters of our personalities. We get weird haircuts. We only wear glossy clothing and we become the next pop stars. Do you know what I was going to, not, not about pop stars at all, but about haircuts. Like this is the first time I was saying this the other day. Um, I recorded with Gara Lawning for N baby because I recently came out, um, with she, they pronouns as well. And I said to Gara, this is the first time in my life that instead of just dyeing my hair a weird color or cutting it, like I can just accept who I am. Do you know what I wow, mean? Wow. Yes. What does it feel like to say that? I mean, what, how, how do you think you're going to move forward and changing your, your, or not changing your look? I'm just going to like lean into whatever I'm feeling that day and not be confused. Is this me always? Like I, I think acknowledging my fluidity has been like really, powerful for me because there have been moments where like I'll dress up for like a fancy event or whatever and I feel like too girly Mm. or whatever but then sometimes I want to do that you know and then just kind of like checking in with myself of like is this how you feel comfortable today and then like letting myself do that if that's how I feel. I think that's really important to note of like you have to allow yourself a the different feelings you're feeling on that given day, but also mm-hmm. the a, a willingness to let yourself evolve because if yeah. maybe right now you're feeling a certain way, I, and that's it's honestly what I've tried to tell myself moving forward in many parts of my life. Whether it's I mean this is very like it's shallow, but it is real. Like I mm-hmm. have been losing my hair. Like mm. speaking of and like and the thing is is that I well you have a nice I, round head, so if you lose it all, it'll be okay. Do you know what, Remy? That really means a lot because I one of my deep fears is if I have to shave all my hair off, then I will just like have an egg face with big features. No, you have a beard. Eggs don't have beards. Eggs don't have beards. Um, well, here's um, the deal. because <laughs> eggs are straight. <laughs> you don't need beards. <laughs> this brilliance That's is so like funny. every minute. <laughs> 
I mean, wow. Well, but I do a- feel like we're in a space where we can say things like this and like your audience knows that these are jokes and what, you know, like. A hundred percent. And, and that's, I think, the, the beauty about, I think, queer people or anyone that identifies in any way that is not heteronormative. It feels like there is this willingness and understanding of coming from a place of acceptance and fun. And I, I've actually talked about this recently mm-hmm. with someone that you can get many questions about whether it's identity, whether it's dating, love, sex. And if it comes from a place of um, we see each other, yeah. you can ask almost anything. Someone the other day asked yeah. me about um, children. And and it's funny because Kat Cohen is, is uh, a recent episode and we had this great conversation mm-hmm. about having kids. And because she is so of the same world and energy, it was this great conversation. But a, a person I spoke with that was out of the gate you want kids, when you want them, how do you want to get them? Mm -hmm. And it it felt Mm -hmm. a little like I was almost teaching and performing for a person that did not have any awareness or understanding. That was not as enjoyable. No, it's not enjoyable. And there's like, I don't even know how to explain the difference, but you know the difference. Like when someone's asking you a question to learn versus when they're asking you to kind of like test you. Like I feel like I've had people ask me questions sensitively well, if you've never had sex with a woman, like, how do you know that you're bi or whatever? And it's usually coming from a place of, I, I might be bi. Like, how do I know that or whatever? And I'll say, well, you know, I'd never had sex with a guy for the first 16 years of my life. And I also knew that I was attracted to them. So um, that, but then you'll hear somebody in, an, in, a, in a different tone. You've never had sex with women. How do you know you're bi? You know, it's just like, it's, you can tell. And yeah. like the answer that you're going to get uh, is not going to be as honest A hundred percent. It's not going to be as honest. And it's also, it's not going to be a conversation that you both are going to walk away feeling good about. Feeling good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm going to walk away being like, okay, there's another person I can't really open up to. Yes, exactly. And I also, I I, want to, I mean, there's so many plugs to give about you because I, not only is How Come an Amazing Podcast, but if anyone here has not watched Remy's episode on Netflix of Explained, I rewatched it and it's so, it's just so well done and educational Thank and one you. of the one of the parts that i really really felt seen from is how it talks about this heteronormativity of what people are taught about sex growing up of course about the yeah. man the man needs to come the woman if if she doesn't come then it's just like that's normal and it's fine yeah but beyond that too it was about how gay people queer people are told already that they're not normal. And so there's mm-hmm. less of the societal restrictions mm-hmm. on how they need to act. There's and no narrative of yes. kissing, then this goes in that, and then you finish or whatever. Like people have to figure it out themselves. A hundred percent. And I think, I think what I'm realizing right now is that when you're growing up, uh, it's a, a form of torture to be told that what you are innately is wrong and, nor- and not normal and bad. But then the reward after coming out and hopefully being in a loving uh, mm-hmm. world is that you are able to act in ways that feel good to you because you're not tied down by what is considered normal or what you are needing to do. So yeah. if you want to be in a non-monogamous relationship, that is your prerogative and more power to you. If you want to be, if you are poly, if you are identifying in a different way, whether it's gender or whatever. It's like, it's these. Yeah. If you're a quote unquote straight guy and you only hook up with trans girls, but that's how you want to identify, you're allowed. Yes. You know, like everybody's allowed. This is another thing that's really come out from how come is because like how come started because I couldn't come mm-hmm. or whatever, but I did that really, really early. It like I learned how to do it really early. And then we went on with like what else is like really wrong in society that like we even got to this point. And a lot of what we've learned too is people seem to be very concerned with what other people are doing as a reflection on themselves. So like I might've been afraid to tell my boyfriend I was bisexual because what does that mean about him and his sexuality? Or like that I there's a part of me that I feel very non-binary, you know, like what does that mean for him and his sexuality? But ultimately it's like, it, it shouldn't have to do with what it means for other people. Like people love to judge people in polyamorous relationships because of what it might imply about their relationship, you know? And it's like, yes. you can just take advice from what you see with other stuff, but you don't have to like make it, Again, that narrative of everybody's going to be following the same path. Like, we're not. 
And that's really nice. Well, I think what you're saying that makes a lot of sense to me is it some almost makes them feel like they're being told if they see something different that they're not used to. It's like, well, wait a minute, then am I, I gay? Am yeah. I gay or am yeah. I doing something? Or it's almost like very deep seated FOMO mm-hmm. or like maybe insecurity that mm-hmm. they are not doing it the way that they should or want to themselves. Because if you're being told you're, you're a man that marries a woman and that's the only person you're with for the rest of your life and you should be happy doing that. And then you see someone else just like doing something different. It's like, well, wait a minute. Like mm-hmm. a lot of outwardly probably comes out judgment. How dare you? What are you doing? But, but I'm sure a lot of the deep seated stuff is like, fuck, that sounds actually kind of cool. Yeah. Like I, I, I always talk about this, but I fucking hated Anne Heche as a child because I thought she was a liar. Like I thought she was, there was no such thing as bisexuality. Um, if you were bisexual or like if you were bisexually presenting like Anne was, it was to get a leg up for something. It was because you are um, selfish. You just want like attention from everybody or whatever. And like looking back on it, I'm like, no, Remy, you want attention from everybody. <laughs> You're selfish. <laughs> so does that make you, is that a part of your buy dumb or is it just your, your need for attention? I think it's like, it's why not bo- both? It's both. Yeah. Because also like somebody, you can't be like, oh my God, I really want girls to be attracted to me. And then be like, Why? You know, you know, like, <laughs> like just so they can be sad and like unrequited like no you want them to because you yeah. like that yes yeah. I also i think it's also interesting of like how the way people feel about women versus men about sexuality with like it's like by women versus by men i feel mm. like there's such an interesting thing there and also the by way- women are straight and by men are gay yeah, yeah. That's what everyone thinks. And it's not true. It's not They're true. They're both bi. They're both bi. And I'm excited for the next generation to really put that Me behind too. us. Yeah. Because I think our children's generation are going to be so much more like, you're bi, you're bi. Great. Mm-hmm. You're bi, amazing. Oh, you're you're non-binary? We love. Um mm-hmm. It okay. seems like there's a lot, a lot, a lot of bisexuals that it might be like maybe the norm actually, right. but because society tells us to pick and we have the option to pick, we do. And I also, I also find it interesting. I wonder if it's going to die out the whole idea of straight men, like being turned on by, by lesbians and, and, and sometimes having Mm. women perform lesbianism in front of them. The reason I bring this up is because Mm -hmm. I was watching below deck the other day. Um, and such a good sailing yacht, sailing yacht. And there was this part where one of the broy guys was like, I dare you two girls to kiss. And it almost made me, here's the thing. If they Mm -hmm. in their own bones wanted to kiss each other, Mm -hmm. then I celebrate that. I, my, my, my tummy started to hurt because I was worried that they, that it was, because of a man telling them to do this and it mm. felt like it was mm-hmm. because for his pleasure and not theirs. And that yeah. I want that to, whole thing to die out. Yeah. So I will say that whole thing was like the catalyst for a lot of my girl on girl makeouts. And it was a weird feeling because it was like, okay, yeah, we're doing this for the guys. But then I also got this like little out you know, like mm-hmm. if I like seem to be enjoying it or whatever, like I was like, no, 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 you like it because of the attention. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I also think things, I haven't seen that scene, but I, I do think it becomes different when a guy realizes, no, you don't just like hooking up with other women. Like you can have feelings for them and then they might start to feel insecure about that. And like, yeah, I don't, I don't like anybody making out for other people if they don't genuinely want to. But I feel like, are, are the did the girls seem like they wanted to? You know what? They leaned into a point that I was like, I don't think you're not enjoying this. I mean, yeah. it was a good kiss. It was a good yeah. kiss. But yeah, um, who's to say? And I do, I have a lot of hope for like the next generation because I specifically feel like the way that we like grew up with like the idea of gender and like heteronor- heteronormativity... I just assumed that like 
all of my relationships with men were transactional, kind of, like that they could only want me for one reason. And I had a really tough time being friends with straight men um, because I was like, there's this like hierarchy or whatever, like you must you must only want me for sex or like if you don't like what's wrong with me and stuff. And like, I think coming out and acknowledging that like, I do have friends that I'm attracted to that I don't want to have sex with, you know, like it just makes it easier for me for friendship in general. Like, I feel like the straight men were slighted by that feeling too. Cause like I, they probably were just like reaching out to like hang sometimes. And I'd be like, Oh my God, you're fucking scary. Yeah. That's that. Wow. That's bringing up a lot in me because it's like, it's especially in with between gay men, there is a lot of friend groups that are a lot of gay men that all sleep with each other and they are able to seemingly bridge the gap of we're friends Mm -hmm. and we're also attracted to each other. However, your girl, Eric Williams, I think I've always had a tough time of being allowing myself to be friends with other men that I'm attracted to that are gay mm-hmm. because of that tension. And I'm actually, I'm going to call this out because it's, 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 it's very interesting that a friend of mine, um, he and I did a show together and I immediately, we had the attraction, we had mm-hmm. the banter and another friend of mine that was on tour was like, I think, and this is, and I was dating my boyfriend at the time, who I'm now married yeah, to. Yeah. And my friend was like, you're flirting too much. This is not good. And I remember being a little annoyed with that, first of all. But, yeah. but then the interesting thing that happened is that we were able to ride through that flirtatious banter and that tension. And now he's one of my closest friends and it's been a successful Yay. version of this. That yeah. being said, it's not. I usually don't get past the the flirty banter with some Mm -hmm. men because I'm, I don't know if I'm Mm -hmm. just worried that it will never go away or that it will get in the way of a meaningful friendship if I just want to fuck them the whole time. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah, there's a lot of layers there. Yeah. I, I mean, I even, I said to my friend on her wedding night, I was like, you made me okay with being friends with pretty women. And she's like, Remy, you are a pretty woman. Like, why isn't this okay? And I hadn't come out yet. And so like, it was that extra hurdle of like, I'm scared that we're attracted to each other and you can't be friends if you're attracted to each other. Right. Or at least I'm attracted to them or whatever. Like, I feel like there's like some like nefarious ulterior motive if there's like attraction and like attraction is not nefarious. Yes. Yes. And you know what used to happen to me? I used to talk about this in therapy years ago. I would be on the subway and see a really attractive person. And I don't mm-hmm. know if you like have ever experienced like, like the eye fucking in public. Of course. Just, oh, it's so, it's so, it's, it's, it's titillating. Oh my God. I love it so. And that's truly one of the things I miss the most um, from this pandemic. However, yeah. I used to be on the train and I, of course fall in love with multiple people. Everyone. On a daily. Oh yes. my God. And yeah. I remember feeling such guilt about that. I would go into therapy and be like, I had this moment moment with this guy we stared at each other Mm -hmm. clearly we were attracted and I feel like I cheated on my boyfriend and my Mm -hmm. therapist was like you're allowed to be attracted to someone feel what you feel think what you think now what your actions do that of course will right determine how things go but you can feel think at whatever you want and if you're as long as you're going abiding by the rules of your relationship and, and respect with respect to your partner it's all good. And that mm-hmm. moment freed me. I was like, oh, I'm going to fall in love with 12 people every gosh darn day. Mm-hmm. Also, that just might be how you are. You know, like I, I have always fallen in love with everybody. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're going to stick around. It's like. Exactly. Ooh, you choose yeah. you choose your person and you choose your person every day, kind of. Ooh, you know? Yeah, that's good. Fuck. I mean, <laughs> fuck. I mean. Especially I, when there's lots of options. It's like, I'm choosing you again today. <laughs> wow, that's like a daily gift. I choose you again. Um, I, one of my hottest subway love experiences right before the pandemic happened, I was on my way to some class I was taking and I was on the subway and there was this guy, redhead guy that was just like beautiful sitting across from me and we made eyes with each other and it was a nice moment. We made eyes again a couple of times. I was like, okay, so I'm in love with you. Perfect. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we got off the train and we're walking in the same direction. We see each other on a corner and we do another eyes and smile. Wow. Feels great. Uh, and then four blocks later, I'm not joking. I was like close to my destination and we ran into each other again. He got through a different route and we met again. And at this point he walks down the street and you know, the whole moment you're joking about like with my 
ex-girlfriend where she would look back. Yeah. Walking he yeah. w- walks across the street, looks back at me slow motion. We look at each other. We smile. He laughs, kind of shrugs, and then walks into the distance. I never see him again. And I was <laughs> like... Oh my god I mean truly It was one of the Not not only hottest But like Warmest Lovingest Like it felt so good And of course A part of me was like Well I choose you today But you're gone So I'm a little sad That you're gone Yeah But it was just Absolutely gorgeous And I, I miss him still I miss him too. <laughs> Do you know who I miss also? I, I don't even remember his face. But when I was like 11, I fell in love with this guy in Cancun. His name was Alex. And I used to see him playing um, football in the pool with his cousin. He was from Mexico City. He was so hot. I knew all of this because he was like friends with my brother, but like I never spoke to him. And then one night I was standing outside of the Escada that was in the hotel and he walked by and he said, good evening. And I just like melted into my pants and I'll never forget. And Alex, if you're out there, please call me. Like I might choose you today. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if like Alex in Mexico City is listening to That's a Gay Ass Podcast and he's like, Remy! Honestly, I that would play because every guy I've ever been attracted to is probably a little gay. Yeah. One of my one of my good friends I've known forever, she like her type is like she loves by men. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. ma'am. They make the world go round. And and like you really feel chosen because it's like you had so many options and wow. like so many stronger bodies that you could really throw up against a wall. <laughs> you chose tiny me. Little old me <laughs> as your bones crunch. I mean, yeah. <laughs> truly, that's that's the thing about I think dating in general is like you being chosen feels so good because there are so many options because... A lot of our insecurities, I feel, speak up loud in a way of like, you're not deserved to be chosen. And then when you are, it's like, it's almost, it's confirming the good parts of you and then dampening the parts that you don't like about yourself. Does that make any sense? Yes. And one of the coolest things before I had come out, I started hooking up with this guy who's actually quite famous and he had just come out as gay um, because he needed to come out as gay in order to like leave his wife. But then he realized like through that, like he's bi. And, um, we hooked up for like two weeks or something and, uh, and it was great. And like, we were friends and, and great lovers. And, uh, at one point he said to me, just because I think we were talking about sexuality, cause I was kind of wondering about my own. And he was like, well, if I'm honest, I think I'm like 90% gay, but then there's 10% of women that like, I'm really attracted to like you. And I'm like, that was so like, I don't know what the word is, like euphoric for me. Um, and I didn't even know why at the time that like, cause I just felt really chosen, but also I think he was like acknowledging like that there's like a little more to my gender too. Um, mm. but yeah, he was super hot and super good in bed. And I mean, what that, the word that came into my mind when you said that was like lottery, like, I don't know why, yeah. like, the, like the odds yeah. are so slim that that connection can happen, yeah. but also speaking to parts of your identity, also the, the chosenness of that, Ooh, that is 10%? a small, I mean, <gasps> wow. Gasp. So wait a minute, you're Jewish. You are by, you are in the, like the, the fact that this person chose you, it's like you are a unicorn of unicorns that like the, do you feel like the universe and you? a native New Yorker? Like how? Oh yeah. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what part of New York? City. Oh my God. God yeah. So good. City kid through and through, but also that comes with the shackles of. Like, not just heteronormativity, like society. It was a tough breakout, I will say. I can't imagine because I I went to college in the city and I remember the friends of mine that grew up in the city, I just viewed differently. Just like they Mm -hmm. grew up in a very... Like growing up in Manhattan, in New York City, I feel like is a gift it is a struggle it is a obviously growing up anywhere is tough but there's Mm -hmm. a very there's a very specific toughness about new york city that i can't even begin to wrap my mind around it's like this you're expected to be like a sophisticated human like when you're like four yeah and and i am like still like i got put in this group text the other day that i guess i had been in this thread it's like 30 like native new yorker like like a lot of like social lighty like just like fucking, I don't even know how to explain them. Like they never fucking cared. They always did drugs, but like they're still doing well. They all dress impeccably. Like 
they're friends with like fucking celebs or whatever. And like, I used to try so hard to just like keep up. And then like, I don't know, when I started comedy, I obviously started putting my, like what was important changed to me and my values changed and stuff. And like, that was really nice. But then the other day, this group thread of like 30 people gets pulled up and it's like, Hey, are we still meeting at Danny and Eddie's? Like, which is like this bar that we used to go to in like high school or whatever. And I'm like looking at all these numbers and getting like flashbacks and like getting so nervous. And I'm like, Remy, you are 31. You have like a career and you're freaking out about how to respond to these people still. And like, how will they like perceive you? And it's like, it's, it's still so toxic to me. That shit does not leave you. I mean, it goes no. Show you how deep that is. Yeah. Well, first question is: Do you think that you would like to live in New York City for uh, again as an adult, or are you? Do you feel like that chapter is closed? I think I would like to be another by coastal. Um, I don't. I, my thing is, I never want to make a decision in my life, you know. And I, do, I wouldn't want to be anywhere permanently, and. I, I don't even mean that because like I couldn't stand it, but like, I don't think you should get so entrenched in one society and forget oh. that other ones exist. Remy, I feel like you were sent to me. I truly do. It's like, I need, I need, cause I, I need, I feel like we put so much pressure on ourselves to make decisions and think about long-term life things, the big life things you're doing this. Mm-hmm. For the, and it's not, that, that is not the case. I mean, it's something as we, I'm actually, Matt and I are talking about moving. We're hoping to move to LA in the fall. I can do it. Yeah. And the thing is, is, I was thinking the other day of like, as it's getting warmer in New York city and my seasonal depression is ending, I'm like, well, mm-hmm. wait a minute. New York is great again nice. <laughs> yeah of course for eight months of the year it's devastating yeah. but but i I, ha- I have to remind myself that a nothing is forever b you can it's okay to to change your universe to change your surroundings and it's not a bad thing if you stay in yeah. one place for a bit and ha- and then choose to go somewhere else or choose and to it's do okay something to change else. your mind too like I, i've actually been freaking out the last few weeks because my boyfriend and I, we've been in Portland with his parents this entire pandemic year because we just happened to be here when everything shut down. We decided to stay and it's been wonderful. Um, I think I've become like a much more outdoorsy person, a lot more peaceful or whatever. And then we were talking about like going back to New York, New Jersey and like me potentially moving in with my boyfriend. And I was like really like gung ho about it. And then it just started to like fucking fester in me and I started to get really nervous because I'm like what if I don't want to move in what if I don't want to move to Jersey like what like I I'm like fucking freaking out and then like we finally had like the conversation he was like Remy you can always go somewhere else you know like we could just go back for like three weeks and decide that you don't like it or something you know like I love that he said that I really do yeah, I don't know. Even because we really, I, I announced it on the podcast. Like I said, we were moving in together. Like I owe it to them. Like, no, you don't. Oh, you owe it to people to show like your actual process of thinking and like, yeah, I might have jumped into something, but like maybe I'm not ready. And I think also we sometimes forget that if you're honest with yourself and in turn honest with either your audience or those around you, it's much mm-hmm. more appreciated when you're coming from that place of like, so, you know, I, I did say this and I thought this was happening, but I'm freaking the fuck out. And so mm-hmm. I've decided to change. And it's like, well, great. You're changing. I think we're often some, I personally can be so afraid of what people would think about that decision or mm-hmm. what, what to, what were, what would their judgment say about me? But it's like, mm-hmm. obviously you're the person living your, your own life. And so, yeah, I I think that's really I think that's really important to remind myself because I you know decisions are tough to begin with. But I read something the other day that really resonated too with me that said just you, you no one wants to make a decision. What you just do is make your decision in the moment, and if it's the mm-hmm. wrong decision, then that just means you're making another decision. Yeah, so and hopefully you can correct it. Exactly. And if you don't, like whatever, then just try again. Yeah, and I also want to shout out to my. You know, talking about like making a change and worrying about judgment. My my husband and I were both actors when we met, and then he mm-hmm. it really was not making him happy. And it's just like it was a musical theater, and that world is very what it is. But mm-hmm. he ended up making a change, and it was a really tough journey for him to to worry mm-hmm. about what people would think or what it meant. And he 
And I'm talking like years long of, you know, Mm -hmm. going back to a school and trying to get a different experience and resume. And he was unhappy at his job. And he, months before the pandemic started, he got for the first time a job in the career that he was pivoting into. And since then, he's been thriving at this company. He's been like, just seeing him be embraced by them and also embracing his own strengths has been so Mm -hmm. incredible to see because I've known the entire time he is not only talented but hardworking and worthy and everything and watching him realize that for the for the first time in a while mm. was I almost feel like a little emotion about it because he it of just course. it's like he is so <laughs> he's so good he's and so he's like good. where he belongs now and like he never deserved to be in that toxicity and and sometimes if that is your dream to stay in musical theater like the juice is worth the squeeze yeah but like, if it's not like, get the fuck out and go be appreciated somewhere else. Go be appreciated. And also like, it'll let you get to the next chapter of your life. Because if you're not growing in a way that feels powerful and productive and, and positive to you, then you will then change your, the, the page, go to the next chapter. And all of a sudden the story takes these amazing turns. And I'm starting to mm-hmm. see that for him. And um, I just, I think it's a really great reminder of what you are doing right now. If it's not serving you, it is okay to do something else or In go every facet else. though, too, you know, yes. like I used to think it was, oh, it's too late to start like A, B, C, D, like whether it was like acting or like masturbating in a new way or whatever. Like, it's like, oh no, but I've been doing this or whatever. It's like, well, yeah, but you can, you can do other stuff and you can figure out what works better and you can always go back and like life is full of options. And I, I feel very slighted that we were told that you had to have like one path and like just a decision led to a decision led to a decision. And it's like, it's much more hairy than that. Totally. I mean, I'm very hairy, but um, also, <laughs> you know, I was, I had such hangups about being hairy growing up and thank God, like the, the society accepts it more now, but I don't know if you remember. Um, And some people love it. Nobody tells you that either, that there's like, oh yeah, there's stuff that some people don't like, but some people are going to be obsessed with. Like my friend loves hairy men. He loves smelling people's armpits. Like I'm like, well, that's wonderful. As long as there's somebody out there who likes your shit. Uh, and there's probably a lot more than you think. A lot more. I mean, I can visualize in this very moment, my first year of college, hooking up with someone that made it clear that he liked the hair on my body and it Mm -hmm. made me feel like uh, like like talk about like a euphoric like it felt Mm -hmm. it was for the first time i was like wait a minute like you you like this thing that i've been literally like shaving in high school and despising you need to know when i i went on a trip with some high school friends my senior year i waxed my torso and like this is like it was not it was a big job and it hurt mm-hmm. and it was like and of course we all have the 40 year old virgin scene in our heads and like yeah it's that was a very a big scene for a reason because it i fucking hurts it fucking hurts and i thought it was what i needed to do to feel accepted by my peers to feel accepted by myself and this was like pictures of me of like this like hairless troll on the beach that wouldn't let anyone touch my back because I was so insecure. And so then um, I put my sunscreen on myself. And so then there was a picture of me uh, with a sunburn that looked like angel wings because I could only uh, reach the tops and <laughs> the bottom. That's so tragic. And yeah, no, free waxing. I was literally the other day just thinking about all, all of the waxed pussies that I wasted on terrible men. Wow. Like men that I thought I needed to have a child pussy in order for them to like, like me and then not leave talking shit about me. And none of it was good sex. And it was painful having it pulled out every week or every month. Not cheap. Expensive. And yeah, then you learn that there are actual people out there who just like pussy and they're not thinking about what they're going to tell their friends after because they're not doing it for that reason. Not at all. And I'm curious where that whole idea of the child pussy was perpetuated because there are so many people that have vaginas that grow up thinking that that is the, the, the base level, what you need to be. And it's clearly not. Yeah. And it has to look all like inside of itself. Like vulva owners are so like insecure about like if, if their lips are spilling out or whatever and they like look different and like 
I started following this account called the Vulva Gallery and they do like little illustrations of different vulvas and like they're all different colors and they all have different types of hair and they have different clits and they have different lips and stuff. And like you realize that one person or maybe even society's definition of attractive came from one person because then there will be other comments like, oh my God, this one is so pretty. Like there's this show called... um I think it's Naked Attraction and it's in the UK. Yes, have you yes, seen that one yes, where they like show your genitals first, basically yes. like their legs and stuff. And they like vote people out. And like on that show, I was always like, Oh, that dick is going to win. And then they would like eliminate that dick because that wasn't their type of dick. And I'd be like, Oh, that pussy's going to make it. And they'd be like, I hate that pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, it's just, it's just cool learning that not everybody wants the same thing. It is cool. It's freeing. And it's also like anyone listening to this, if you don't think someone's going to like uh, something that you don't like about yourself, here's the deal. They're going to like it. You're going to find someone. Maybe. Oh yeah. Somebody, somebody, my boyfriend is the first person who ever told me he loved pale nipples and I've been insecure about my pale nipples for my whole life. And he's like, Oh my God, I love them. I'm like, Oh, and see that again is like, is, is like feeling seen, feeling chosen. Also the universe brought this pale nipple liking person into your life. Yes. I also had to stalk him for a year in order for him to like me, but that is neither here nor there. We do what we need to do to get by. Um, yeah. Well, let's see here. There's, I mean, there's so many amazing things that we've touched on, but I, I want to say that one of the great parts of How Come Podcast is talking to like these amazing experts and the episode also with mm-hmm. Dan Savage, I thought was incredible, um, where he's talking about the campfire rule of leaving, mm. leaving someone better than mm-hmm. how you left them or you know how you found them how you found them right so it's like it's essentially dealing with your exes of maybe letting them know something that they could do better moving forward to make the next person's experience better with them um Mm -hmm. what is your what is your relationship with your exes do you still do you have a communication with them or because i i'm not that type i really only have one official ex Um, he's not entirely out of my life because his sister still works for my dad, which I allowed to happen after our breakup because I think she's a brilliant woman and I value her. Um, him and I don't speak. If we saw each other, I'm sure we would. Um, I try to acknowledge our relationship as like a really good building block for me. Um, and like... Yeah, I, I I even the other day was thinking about the choices that led me to dating him and and even if they were wrong, the fact that I know differently now is really nice. Um and I do think we left each other in a really kind way. Um we both gave each other like exit interviews basically, like because I I I knew I wanted to break up break up. Um but I had never broken up with somebody before. I was like really not like that. I was only 21 when we started dating, but like that was my first boyfriend. Yeah. And um, so I was just like, okay, we'll go on a break and I'll give him this list of stuff that like maybe he can improve upon because I'm just not happy right now. Um, and he wasn't happy either. That's something I will say is like, guys, why don't you just like fucking fess up sometimes? But like, yeah, I, I gave him this like, Hey, these are things that you need to improve upon if we're going to get back together. And then like, we kind of started seeing each other again. Um, and I was like, but I'd also like a list too for me. And I looked at my list and I still have my list and like, I'll look at it in my Gmail sometimes. And like some of the things he said were really valid. Some of those things I'll read them and I'll be like, lol, that's never happening. (laughs) But like some of them I'm like, oh my God, he really was right about some of these things. I think more people should do that. I think more people should do the exit interview because it, it would work. It would make the world a much better place, I think. Because not enough people are told, I think, the things that they do that might not they might not know that is either not constructed for themselves or for the people around them, and and also yeah, some of them I was like, you cannot do this to another woman because she will feel horror. Like there were some things that I was like, this is unacceptable. This has nothing to do with me, but like this is something that you need to fix. And I really hope he did because I don't want his new girlfriend looks lovely. She looks very cool and it looks like we'd be friends. <laughs> I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope they're doing great. 
Um, I also find it interesting on your podcast how you your sister is involved in a way that is so cool. Um, I was when I was listening, she was yeah, right. I I I, yeah. I I was thinking about like my relationship with my family of like I don't. I mean, it's all, I have three brothers, and so I think it's different. Just my family is interesting because my parents are both medical professionals, so we've always like known everything from a very clinical perspective at least. Um, and they're also very sexual people. Like we always knew, like, even if they weren't getting along, they would bang and like (laughs) that sex was very important. And, um, my mom always told me that sex was supposed to be fun, but we really didn't get down to like the nitty gritty. And even my sister who produced the whole second season, she's now back in business school. We miss her. Um, we didn't really talk about pleasure, you know, like we talked about oh, guys are cute and this is who I have a crush on and and like this is who I got, you know, like if you got a guy to sleep with you. But it was never about like your own personal pleasure and stuff. And so talking to her when she did the research for like my first few episodes, because at the time she was a, a research associate producer at Last Week Tonight, um, was really the first time we talked about like... Like she didn't know I wasn't coming until I started talking about it on stage. Cause she always assumed she's like, Oh, is Remy's always been like a really sexual person. She's always been like hooking up with people. Like I just assumed. And I didn't know that she was having orgasms. Wow. So, you know, like actually, wait, this is a funny story. Speaking of that Purim thing. Yeah. So Esther Steinberg, our friend was a huge catalyst in my journey because I didn't realize that it was actually like not the norm for women not to come. Uh, and then one day or one night I had her on my bar show and she was having, she was telling this joke about like five screaming orgasms or whatever. And I ran up to her after and I said, Oh, that joke about the five orgasms. That was so funny. And she was like, that wasn't the joke part of the joke, you know? (laughs) And I was like, wait, what? Like you're actually like coming and like, how are you doing that or whatever? And, um, she like really took interest in me and was like, Oh my God, like I'll like lend you this guy. I'm seeing he's so good at head. And, um, it, that like really started to open up the conversation with me and at least other comics. And then I would ask all these other female comedians or Volvo owning comedians like, Hey, can you guys come, you know, like whatever. And then, uh, the last straw was my sister. I was like, okay, it seems like everybody is. Now let's see if this person who is biologically related to me and has similar boobies, if she can do it. And then she said yes. And I was like, oh, damn. Okay, then we have to start this podcast because I am uh, not doing as well as somebody three and a half years younger as me. Wow. I mean, that is so incredible. And also Esther has told me for years about you and about and about the podcast and about the conversation mm-hmm. you had. And like it's mm-hmm. and that's why I feel like so it's so cool to catch up with you now because of the the journey. And I remember becoming friends with Esther freshman year of college and just that like the the openness we talked about sex with each other was such a mm-hmm. was such an amazing moment to to feel seen and uh and I think it's it's one of the best parts of being friends with people I feel is like if you can have that energy of feeling open and I you know I actually I've talked to a couple people that in, in, in other friend groups they don't have that openness and to me there's like a missed mm-hmm. opportunity to feel totally so not only like understood but also like you're saying you can enrich your own life by finding out what other people are doing mm-hmm. in ways that are completely mm-hmm. open and and the, the I think the tough thing that you have to find that I've have found is being able to talk about your own experience, but if you're dating someone of respecting their boundaries too, of like, yeah. and that, that used to be something what they necessarily want to hear about. <laughs> exactly. And that used to be something I wasn't good about. I'd be like, you know, Matt and I had this fight about this and this thing about this sex. And, and then I was like spilling every last detail. And of course, mm. two days later, those same friends were then sitting with me and Matt at dinner table, at the dinner table. And it's like, it's cutting up their mm. chicken. It's like, Oh yeah. Don't yeah, yeah. talk about that thing. Don't talk about that thing. But boundaries are tough. As a Jewish person, I've had to really um, learn the, the the concept of boundaries because culturally, I find that sometimes it's not set. It is tough. Down. No, when I have shit to say about my boyfriend, I get very um, down because I don't know who to tell because I don't want people to change their opinion on him and like in case I change my opinion, you know, like, and, and I, I know with a lot of relationships that my friends have had, 
I usually just see the bad in their partners because they only come to you when they are complaining. Like nobody comes to you when they're like celebrating how wonderful their partner is because like it's just not done, but it should be done because, because then it like at least softens the blow when you want to talk about real stuff. And like, yeah, the other day, like we had, like I, I was, I've been very anxious about this move and I just like totally bottled it up and like, I I couldn't get in touch with a therapist or whatever. And I had a fucking mental breakdown because I was like, I can't tell my friends. I can't tell my friends like they're like, and then I told one of my friends and she was like, okay, well, this is what I think. But also like anything, any decision you make, I'm with you. Like I promise I still support you. And like, I've had to say that to my friends too, that like, even if they tell me like boy, their boyfriend's abusing them, I'm like, I love you. I would like you to get out of this. But again, if you stay, like it's not my responsibility to get you out. It's just my responsibility to support you. And sometimes it takes time for other people to realize whether they want to stay or go or whatever it is, or whether they, the the fight didn't come to a good resolution. But like, sometimes it's the situation where like, you'll have like a knockdown drag out fight. You tell your mom, Oh my God. Then, then like, like my mom still doesn't forgive my friend for driving illegally with me when I was 14, (laughs) like, let alone like what my boyfriend did, you know? Right. So it's really tough with people who like are ride or die for you when they just want to die for you. And sometimes like, you're like, no, you just need to ride with me still. This is a riding moment. This is a riding yeah. moment. Yeah. That's, I mean, I also like your point about being able to talk about things when like, it's tough to, when you're only talking about fights or bad things and you're not sharing in the good because mm-hmm. I try, I've actually in just my general life stuff, I've been trying to really be present with celebrating the good things that are happening. I mean, like, like, especially right now, because, you know, when I was, I was doing a fair amount of acting comedy stuff before the pandemic, which of course all Mm -hmm. ended, but this past couple weeks with this podcast and projects, I've, I've been able to really not only enjoy it, but like there's getting, it's more listeners. And we got a nice write up in my, in my child, in my hometown newspaper. That was so nice. And like, and I, everyone who's muted, you will see it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Sorry, bitch. You were the St. Louis Post Dispatch. But like the, I remember talking with some friends of like, I was watching my body start to say, well, this good thing happened, but X, Y, and Z has not been good enough. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to say right now, let's all cheers and celebrate that this good thing happened. And I'm just going to feel excited about it right now. And let that be Mm -hmm. a good moment. And I, and I had to consciously remind myself just to celebrate a good moment and not criticize or put down or fixate on something that wasn't where I wanted to be yet. Yeah. It's, it's tough to just in this industry, like to keep your blinders on and be like, I'm making progress for me when there's other people like doing crazy shit or whatever. Compared to spare um, is, is a, that is, is really tough. neither here nor there. Yeah. Really. Well, every time I, I get to see your stuff and listen to your podcast and just, and, and also just being able to chat with you now has been such a truly amazing time for me. And I want to yeah, thank you like so much. It's been so fun. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. Um, anytime I'm on a queer podcast, even as someone like I, I know I am, but it just feels so validating every time. Um, to be chosen. Oh, you are so chosen. You are so valid. And we are so lucky you came here. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I love you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of That's a Gay Ass Podcast with Remy Castamir. Make sure you follow them at Remy Castamir and listen to their podcast, How Come. And make sure you follow me at Eric Wills and please leave us a five-star review. It's really helping us get the word out about this podcast. We will see you next week. Bye.
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.